The beautiful game of baseball, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's get talking about Doc. We're kicking down this motherfucking door, and we're doing that. Let's get into it. If there's anything that could be haunted, for sure that fucking chair's haunted. Then again, the internet always wins. The internet always wins. Searching around about uh, this dock I found. Let's be frank, there's piss on the floor. I just pulled out of power and he was murdered by firing squad. I'll start having pain. Okay, so uh, yeah, we're uh, we're here this week to talk about my favorite subject. Um, I was uh, I, I I went into this one knowing I was gonna like it. Um, I liked it even more than I thought I was going to. Oh fuck, dude! This is one of my like f- favorite documentaries. Yeah, like, and- it's so like I. I could kind of get behind the stories of baseball, but like, I don't really give a shit. And then like that stuff. Cause like athletic accomplishments on their own, if you break it down, they're like, Oh, that's pretty crazy. And then they're like, yeah, but this person did this when they didn't even know where the fuck they were. And they're like, all right, that's crazy. Like what the fuck was going on? And and I think that's a testament to, uh, to this documentary. Like Mitch, I, I would, don't think you would consider yourself a baseball fan necessarily. No, not really. No. And, and Christian, I know you don't consider yourself a baseball fan either. What do you think of it? <laughs> I'm a fan of drugs. <laughs> um, no, it was fucking great. I was, I was blown away. I had such a good time. Awesome. So I know we're just, uh, so basically I'll give listeners a rundown of, uh, of what we watched. So we watched a documentary called, no, no, a documentary about Doc Ellis, uh, who is a major league pitcher, uh, pitched for the Pittsburgh Pirates, New York Yankees, Mets, uh, Texas Rangers. Uh, I think I'm forgetting one team here, but uh, and he won the won the pennant a few times in the World Series with uh, Pittsburgh, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. he was uh, he was in the league. Uh, very good friends. I think uh, during the documentary, he said. Uh, uh, Roberto Clemente was uh, his first roommate, and yeah. uh, Roberto Clemente was uh, like a fantastic ball player. Unfortunately, died in a uh, tragic plane crash. Um, and okay, didn't... I yeah. wasn't. Uh, I didn't know how he died because one of the uh, their other teammates, um, I forget the guy's name, but you might know of the lore of this guy Tyler. That like soon after. Liberto Clemente passed away. This guy's career like went to shit. Like he threw behind people and he had wild pitches and it's called like some curse. Like I'm just going to make it simple. Like the Tyler Hawley curse, but it was one of their, uh, one of their teammates. But years later, the guy who the curse is named after was like, Oh, I thought I had a pretty good career. So it's kind of funny that people are like, Oh man, this guy was shit. And he's like, Oh no, like, I had an all right career. And he said that he didn't like uh, Roberto dying didn't have anything to do with him declining in pitching, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah, no, I I don't know the player you're talking about or Uh, yeah, uh, I forget the guy's name, but, uh, but yeah, it it affected uh, uh, doc uh, 
Ellis uh, quite a bit as well. Uh, I know. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, kind of a big part of this story is, uh, you know, Doc Ellis was kind of like uh, the bad boy of baseball. Um, yeah. Kind of uh, a partier, kind of his own individual. Uh, and yep. he did throw a no hitter one time while high on LSD, which is yeah phenomenal. Um, yeah. So what's the difference between a, a no hitter and I think Mitch was saying like a perfect game. These yeah. are two different things. So, so basically, so baseball has nine innings. Um, typically pitchers like a starting pitcher will go, you know, if they're having a good game, you have to go five innings to be in line for the win. So if you're pitching and you leave the game after five innings and your team is leading and they continue to keep that lead uh, until the ninth inning, uh, you get the win. Um, six inning, the six inning mark uh, is what they call a quality start. So if you've allowed less than three runs or three runs or less uh, over six innings um, and you leave the game, you get a quality start. So then you can have a complete game which is uh, pitching all nine innings, no matter how many runs you let in. Then there's a no-hitter. So basically, you've gone through all nine innings, so you need a complete game to get a no-hitter. Uh, you've gone through all nine innings without letting a base runner on base via a hit. So um, that's the player swinging the ball, or swinging the bat, uh, hitting the ball, it landing. Um so this is kind of where it gets a little tricky. So a player can get a hit as somebody who doesn't know baseball would look at him and be like, oh, yeah, he got a hit. He hit the ball. Um, he made it to the first base. That's a hit. Well, if he hits it to a fielder and the fielder makes an error, whether it being, um, you know, he drop, bobbles the ball or makes a bad throw, that's not a hit. That's an error. And it doesn't count as a hit. So, again, you can walk as many batters as you want in a no-hitter. Or not want, but you can walk, like, Doc Ellis in his no-hitter, he walked eight batters. So, he had eight base runners. So, technically, you can get a no-hitter and still allow a run. So, if you walk yeah. five batters in a row that walks in a run and you don't allow a hit that whole game, you can still have a no-hitter without it being a shutout. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, okay. So Gotcha. So a perfect game is literally no base runners. Um, so yeah. this year in the major leagues, there's been uh, two no hitters. Each of them have been a hit batter away from being a perfect game. So yeah. And Christian, guess how many times a pitcher has pitched a perfect game in the whole history of baseball? Jesus, <laughs> uh, like less than 20 times. 23 23 times so, holy so, yeah. shit Let, let's put this yeah. into perspective so and no one no one has done it twice and the one time in like the 18 something they it like two of them happened within a week of each other or something and, and so, so it, yeah and there have been like more than a thousand games oh, for sure oh dude okay tyler when the fuck when was the major like the first game of major league baseball it was like 1880 or something so yeah let's put this into perspective so yeah like mitch said uh mob's been around um let's see uh when 
The MLB has been around since. Because they break it down. The thing that I saw, there was two like postmodern era and then modern era. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> MLB was founded in 1903. Yeah. So the National League was founded in 1876 and the American League was uh, 1901. And then it became Major League Baseball in uh, 1903. So it's 118 years. I don't know how mm-hmm. many games they played back then, but you know, in the modern areas era, so like you know, fifties to now, they play one hundred and sixty game, one hundred and sixty two games. Oh, oh my god! Man. Right, right now there's thirty teams in the league. So let's just do some quick math. You know, um, thirty times one hundred and sixty two. So that's four four thousand eight hundred sixty games a year played. What the fuck? Well, no, I guess it'd be half that because there's, right? No. Uh, yeah, anyways. Two teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so okay, uh, let's say 2,400 games a year played. And, yeah, since uh, 1903, you know, 118 years, only 23 of them have been thrown. But, so that 23, I don't know if they can conclude or include, um, I'm going to include an asterisk there. There was a game, I think it was 2004, uh, Armando Galarraga. He was one out away from a perfect game, and a play was made at first, and the umpire made the wrong call. The batter, <gasps> the runner was clearly out. It was a, it was oh, a very close play. God. The runner was out, but he called him safe. And oh. then they didn't have uh, um, instant replay or... Um, the ability to uh to review calls so oh. yeah he uh he did not get a perfect game so just to get this um that's a shame for him yeah. to get this straight then um a perfect game a batter can still hit the ball that the pitcher pitches but he can't get to the base right yeah yeah so what is it called then if the pitcher throws a game where nobody hits his baseballs uh, they shut baseball that down ever? and they no, give that, him the crown. That, <laughs> they, yeah. You, sir, are the king of baseball forever. So that would mean you'd need 27, because there's 27 batters in a perfect game. That's one up, one down, or three up, three down every inning. Um, yeah. So it's 27 batters. I don't, like, the most strikeouts in a game. Uh, let's see. Yeah, like, if you did that at the end of the game, you'd be like, I want a billion dollars a game. They'd be like, yeah, okay. So Kerry sure. Wood in 1986 had the most strikeouts in a game. So the closest it's ever come to, um, you know, 27 up, 27 down, was 20. So he was seven. Oh man, that guy was so close. Seven batters away from. Uh, um, Fuck. Yeah, if he had a strikeout seven more, uh, he would have. Uh, I just, I just want to say, if I was on the opposing team and I knew that the situation. I'd be like, I'll waft three times just to get this guy because that's a cool story. You're so, only like seven. <laughs> yeah. You're only a few way. Like I'm not the first guy, so like you got a rhythm going. Like let's just guy, let's just let him do his thing. And so, to put Kerry Woods into a little bit more perspective, like pitchers usually have like between like the the limit that they of pitches that they can throw. Typically, it's around you know 120 is. It's the tops. So mm-hmm. every time you strike out a batter, you have to throw at least three pitches. So if you do, mm-hmm. you know, right. three times 20. So say he throw, 
through three exact uh, strikes to strike out his 20 batters. I mean, that's 60 pitches right there. And, and you know, that very rarely happens where you throw three pitches and it's a, it's a strikeout, but. Yeah. Cause you could also throw and it becomes a ball ball. Yeah. So uh, again, so for people who are listening, that don't really know the rules of baseball. So um, there's balls and strikes. So four balls batter takes a walk. Uh, so balls are uh, pitches that are thrown out of the strike zone and not swung at. So the strike zone is an imaginary rectangle, um, basically from the batter's chest to their knees uh, and the width of uh, the plate, really. So pitchers have to throw kind of within that imaginary rectangle uh, for it to be a strike. There's and- a team, I think, in like the early 19... 19- hundreds that employed a little guy and <laughs> no one could ever strike him out because his strike zone was, was so super small. yeah it, super it, small be like threading uh threading a needle yeah or they just oh this little guy just gets hit in the head every game and he's like i don't really want to do this anymore right so <laughs> so so to completely um change the topic i maybe you guys said something else to say but um what did you think of the equation made between Ellis and uh, Muhammad Ali. Do you think that's accurate in terms of baseball history? Uh, Yeah, man. No, I I mean, I don't like Ellis was a great, I can, he has a, uh, I I can throw out a lot of baseball terms uh, here. So I'll I'll explain myself a little bit, but like, I think doc Ellis has a um, career ERA of um, 3.24, I think. Which is which is great, um, you know. It's a it's a fantastic um, career number, but so yeah. I think just for how rigid and strict baseball was for have to have him come in and for him to be good, that I'm sure was like good for a lot of people because there was a lot of higher ups in baseball that were like, man, fuck this guy. Like, this is bullshit. Like, when he's coming with his jerry curls to practice and, like, fur coats and shit. So, they're like, fuck yeah. Like, this guy knows he's good. So, like, let him be him and then get him out on the field. Yeah. But I, if we're making the, the comparison to, like, Muhammad Ali is arguably the greatest boxer to ever live. Right? And I don't yeah. think, you know, Doc Ellis just isn't in that stratosphere yeah. of the greatest pitcher to ever pitch. Um, you know, right. He has, yeah, I see. He has great. I don't really know much about boxing, but like, I feel that you could make a somewhat argument. I guess maybe social reasons. Muhammad Ali was bigger, but Jack Johnson, dude, because he was doing shit when like black people were so restricted to do anything, and he would just go and beat the living shit out of white people and talk shit to the white people in the crowd. So like that guy had like gorilla fucking steel balls for sure um but yeah so like doc ellis was a great pitcher but like his career numbers aren't like i don't like he couldn't get in the hall of fame you don't think like uh, they're not you know i don't crazy. know i don't know if he's in the hall of fame or not like he has 138 wins um for mm-hmm. for his career like i feel of, like uh major league baseball though wouldn't really be down to champion his story no i which they, they, I, I don't, they totally I don't should. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think uh, um, he is, 
yeah, I think he's uh, going to be in the Hall of Fame at some point, if not already. I can't see if he's. Oh, okay, not. cool. No, that's awesome. I was just thinking of how like strict Major League Baseball is that they're like, oh, we kind of want to not have this story out there, which yeah. that should totally be in. The I Hall think that of that's Fame. a well, like that's a big part of this exact story is that. Major League Baseball was really strict, but Doc Ellis uh, broke down a lot of those really ridiculous barriers that yeah. didn't make any sense anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there's still crazy rules in baseball now that, like, like some teams, Christian, you, like, can't have any facial hair. Like, you have to be clean-shaven. So these are, like, grown-ass men uh, telling other grown-ass men, like, hey, Christian, I know you're really good at your job, but, like, you got to have a clean-shaven beard yeah and, I, and by the way like, well, it's kind of like a club though right yeah it, it is like if you want to be a part of the club uh do though what the club asks you to do and if you can't handle that um don't try so hard to be a part of the yeah, club yeah yeah i guess it's kind of like the whole buying in thing of like we're all the same and yeah and there's, uh, there's yeah there is that aspect i, get I that guess part but, of it. Um, and there's hockey teams that do the same thing like uh, uh yeah if lou lamorello is the president of hockey operations for whatever team he doesn't allow his players to have beards um even and, in the playoffs right yeah I, or i i oh, can't really? say i can't say for sure yes but uh oh. but yeah none of his teams make it to the playoffs i wonder why <laughs> let him have <laughs> that's there. more like yeah. um, win a Stanley Cup, bro. <laughs> but yeah the yankees are i think like the most well-known yeah uh not letting their players have facial hair and like they can't yeah, like they don't have names on the back of their jerseys right they can't have long hair um yeah so there oh really yeah there so was, is it just a number yeah yeah so there's so like yankees huh. footage of like babe ruth and like yankees footage from like today the jerseys are like they visually are looking kind of the same yeah which is okay. kind of that's kind of cool though i mean yeah so yeah i i've told you guys this before uh i think what are you um, gonna say how much you love baseball I think baseball is the most <laughs> romantic of all the sports. Like the storylines yeah. in it, like uh, it, yeah. it has, and I, maybe it's, it, maybe it's a history thing too. Uh, and that um, being said, there's gotta be some crazy stories in cricket. Cause that shit takes like three days. So there's yeah. gotta be some stories to develop out of that. I, I don't, I don't know anything about cricket. So for, neither do I, I'll say North American sports then uh, I will, <laughs> I'll, I'll frame it that way. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, no, baseball, like, in, in what other sport can you have a personality like Doc Ellis who comes out later? And I, in the documentary, explains that, you know, he was kind of embarrassed mm-hmm. by the fact that he, he threw it on, on acid. Um, yeah. Like when uh, Ron. Which I could understand. Yeah, when Ron, um, oh, what's the director's name? Howard. Yeah, Ron Howard was talking. He was in, uh, um Ron Howard's movie Gung Ho. Uh, yeah. He was saying that, you know, some of the comedians on set found out th- that fact and they, they loved it. They thought it was great. And he was just yeah. like, no, like I wish I hadn't done some of that shit. And this documentary, like Doc Ellis, I mentioned he was kind of like the bad boy of baseball uh, during his time. Mm-hmm. He went mm-hmm. on to, you know, seek treatment for addiction and then mm-hmm. become an addiction counselor after that. So, I mean, you know, I, which uh, he was probably like the coolest addiction counselor. What I mean, he he's been through it, right? He's not just some guy yeah. who read a few textbooks and is uh, spouting out uh, 
um, yeah. what the textbook telling me should be telling people. Yeah. Yeah, that that aspect of it was kind of interesting where, like, I think it, how weird would it have been if he was an old man and he was like, yeah, that was the fucking coolest day of my life. Like, I fucking did that shit and I did acid like every day since for somehow ever many years. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah. And all right. Going into the story, like I, I knew um, that Doc Ellis had, had thrown a no hitter on LSD. Um, I didn't know the circumstances behind it. I thought, you know. He was just getting ready for the game. He was like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to pop some acid and, and go out yeah. there and pitch. But it was no, like yeah. he had an off day. So yeah. he, he was close to home. So the, yeah. the manager let him go home and he was partying and took some acid and basically missed a whole day. And someone woke him up and was like, uh, hey, you're supposed to be, you're pitching today. You got to be at the field. And he's like, what the fuck? No, I yeah. pitch tomorrow. And they're like, no, didn't that no. person find out in the newspaper too? Like they were reading the morning newspaper. Like, oh, hey, you're pitching tonight. No, I, I think someone called him. Oh, okay. Because he wasn't at the field. Which nowadays, like, if if like they, all sports like have very strict rules. Like, you know, if you don't mm-hmm. show up to practice, unless it's an optional practice, like you're suspended from the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know Doc Ellis got suspended uh, for something. I I can't remember off the top of my head what it was, but he was suspended from the team and that's what sent him to uh, the Yankees, I think. But, um, but yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So, I mean, nowadays, if you don't show up for, for batting practice or, you know, uh, your bullpen session or whatever, you'd be suspended from the team, but no, he was just high on acid showing up pitched through a no hitter. And like he said, yeah. it was a very sloppy, no hitter. Like there was eight base runners over, over nine innings. Mm-hmm. Like that's not considered a, <laughs> a good no hitter. But, yeah. Oh, you would think management was just like, I mean, he's getting the job done, but it's fucking like, it's all over the place. But, but like he said, like he was high every game when he pitched it. Yeah. It just kind of focused uh, him. Right. Did you know that this period of Major League uh, Baseball, that, like, everyone was on something? Yeah, so that's something I was going to bring up. I I didn't. (laughs) I didn't. But. Yeah. So, out of everyone in this documentary, the two white guys were like, oh, no, yeah, I never touched the stuff. When everybody was doing it, I don't believe. Like, the one guy was a trainer. He's like, you know, I don't want to see you doing it. I don't want to. Like he seemed like a pretty old school guy, so mm-hmm. maybe maybe he was telling the truth. But the catcher, the he was a Texas Rangers catcher when uh, um, Doc Ellis went there. He's like, oh no, I, yeah, I've never touched the stuff. I no, I'm like, fuck you, man. Like you're a liar. Yeah. I can guarantee it. Yeah, aren't catchers like goalies? <laughs> yeah. Are like the craziest one on the team? No, I would Isn't say pi- I, w- I would say pitchers are the craziest ones. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No catchers okay. are catchers. So maybe- Beyond like a, a few like very very good catchers, catchers are yeah. kind of like it's like when I play on my uh, my men's league uh, softball team, I'm the catcher because I'm probably the least athletic out of everyone. Oh, okay. You kind of just can bend down and catch the ball. And not saying oh, I don't even have to do that. I, it's men's league baseball, so I stand up. <laughs> oh, okay, cool, um, sick. But uh, yeah, I guess saying that you get that pitchers are. The most charismatic, because like the whole Kenny Powers. Yeah, and not saying that uh, catchers aren't athletic, um, but you know they're mm-hmm. they're typically 
not the greatest hitters. Uh, I mean, their bodies get through, get put through a, a ton. And so maybe that's why they're not the best hitters. Um, yeah. Cause they're crouching down for like an hour and a half, the whole game. Right. Like uh, when they're, yeah, when they're that. on the field, like, yeah, yeah. like th- their bodies get, get put through a, a, a ton of uh, punishment, but uh, yeah. And, and yeah. there's some catchers that are, were, I was like, you think like um, Jorge Posada, uh, stuff like that. Like those guys were phenomenal ball players. So cool. So could you imagine uh, being in that position that Doc Ellis was in, knowing then that you have to be on the field and to get there, you have to take an airplane, but you're about to start tripping on acid. You imagine that airplane ride? So he didn't have to take an airplane. Uh, he, he just had to drive there. Or get driven there. So they're in San Diego, and he. I'm pretty sure he was. No, so that's like four hours. San Diego to to LA. No, it's it's very close. No, it's not like. Oh, I was certain that he took an airplane. No, so that's what he was saying. Like when when they go home, like because he lived in LA, and he was pitching for uh, Pittsburgh, and they're in San Diego when he's close to home. manager would just let him go home um but how uh, yeah. far is how far is pittsburgh from la like why the fuck was he living in la and playing well for no pittsburgh? like that's where his that's where his that's where he's from oh off to, oh okay yeah. oh yeah, yeah 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 he grew up okay okay yeah so like I yeah get it. driving uh la to san diego's two and a half hours oh okay yeah so you, I guess, you, but like, you can drive you he, two and a half hours from Kingston to Toronto, but you can also take an airplane. It's only forty-five minutes. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you're high he, on acid. That's a forty-five-minute drive. Yeah, I don't think he flew though. Okay, I yeah, I feel like I remembered that he flew, but fuck, even the drive. Oh, for but sure. But like, who do drove you, him? Yeah, do you he think drove? he drove himself? I I I would probably imagine not. <laughs> But I, I don't know. If I guess that's himself, what I'm saying. Like, you just get a taxi to the airport and yeah. then you get on a plane. Yeah. If he drove himself, it's going to be like the accounts of the game when he's like, man, cars were like the size of marbles and then they were like the fucking moon. They were so <laughs> big. <laughs> like, how the hell did you drive? Yeah. You know, doing anything. I, you know, I've never done acid, so I, I don't know. But I can imagine doing yeah. anything um, normal would, would be a hard uh, a hard task yeah so like i wonder if there's footage of that game because if oh, you yeah. think that game would have been televised yeah yeah in, so uh, then, like <laughs> oh dude we should look up and see because if like his movements like in between pitches and stuff there's no way he's just like standing there being like all right this is what we're doing like he's probably looking around and like like i wonder or whenever he's just like so in the zone because he kind of said he was just like, all right, this is what I got to do. And that being said, like I've just before we started, I tried to find uh, um, footage of it. I mean, there there definitely is. It was definitely televised, but it happened in 1970. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we we need to invest in a Doc Ellis jersey to put in a case for a studio for sure. That's right. Yeah. Well, and, and like the craziest part, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when he's talking about throwing the no hitter uh, while on LSD mm-hmm. is, you know, he couldn't see the batters. He could see left or right, you know, someone yep. was standing there. 
Um, yeah. but he, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't tell, you know, who it was. Um, he just uh-huh. knew that there was a batter on the left, uh, hand batter's box, or the right hand batter's box. So he just focused in on the, the catcher's glove and, and threw through. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. saying that like some pitches, it felt like the pitcher was like six feet away from him. Well, and then other ones where he's like, "Oh man, I have to throw this ball like half a mile." <laughs> here's a, here's a quote from it's a it's a long quote, but it says, "I was zeroed in on the glove, but I didn't hit the glove too much. I remember hitting a couple of batters, and the bases were loaded two or three times. The ball was small sometimes. The ball was large sometimes. Sometimes I saw the catcher. <laughs> sometimes I didn't." Sometimes I tried to stare the hitter down and throw while I was looking at him. I chewed my gum until it turned to powder. They say I had about three to four fielding chances. I remember diving out of the way of the ball. I thought it was a line drive. I jumped, but the ball was hit, wasn't hit hard and never reached me. <laughs> so, I mean. So, yeah, like we got to find that footage because that'd be hilarious. It's just this pitcher dodging out of the way and the ball's like just dribbling. I mean that's not even anywhere near him. That's unreal that it was a, a no hitter and there was balls that were hit to him that didn't make it to him. Like that's a hard yeah. play for the catcher to make it to get all the way there and um yeah get that uh that ball to first base. Yeah, because that's who would have got it, right? Yeah, the catcher yeah. would have had to come out. Catcher would have been the yeah. next closest person. Jesus. He's making that guy work. That's right. Well, you couldn't rely on Ellis. No, no. way. No. Yeah. Oh, also, well, I guess, well, like, we keep referring to him as Ellis, but imagine seeing his name in, like, a filing cabinet. It would be Ellis D. That's right. Holy <laughs> shit. Holy wow, God. Yeah. Right? Man, this was, man. So, God's real. Because <laughs> <laughs> why would he create Ellis D and then have this guy just so happen to have this name? And then have this run-in with LSD and have this great sports achievement. So we know that he's real and he's a baseball fan. So that I blame the Romans. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, they invented Latin and yeah. Okay. yeah. That's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. LSD. How, hard, how hard did you laugh when you looked at that and figured that out? <laughs> I was kind of silent. I was like, oh. Uh, wow yeah it was kind of like what you i was like holy fuck that like what a coincidence yeah that's wild so i uh i collect uh baseball cards a little bit uh i I think i need to track down a doc ellis baseball card yeah i looked up if you Um, fucking say you have one that would blow my mind (laughs) by the way do you guys know yeah Yeah. and then i got this one some sandy Um, kofax dude do you guys know who that is like christian that card's worth so much goddamn money. <laughs> um, I was looking up, obviously, this doc, but I found that there are vinyl records of uh, the best of baseball commentators. How fucking cool is that, Tyler? Uh, I need to buy that. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who did the commentating for this game, uh, Bob Campbell or something, the gunner, um, he has his own record and it has this game's recording on it. Interesting. Whoa. I'll have to get you. Yeah, to right. it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Bottom of the seventh, and Doc is high off uh, his ass. Looks like he's gonna throw another strike. <laughs> high as a Georgia pine. That was so great when he said that. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" 
That's awesome. And, and the fact that, you know, like he, he didn't really care about baseball. Like he, he was just kind of something he did. And then when his dad passed away, he said, yeah, you know what? I really got to start focusing on something. And he focused on baseball and, and went uh, just so naturally, just crazy, naturally gifted. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like some John Daly shit. Like there's a hilarious, funny John Daly story. And, uh, was it John? D- yeah. That's like the golfer yeah. drinker, dude, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where young Tiger Woods walked by him and John Daly was like, Oh, Hey Tiger, come and drink with me. Like you're cool shit. And Tiger Woods was like, no man, I got to go practice. And he's like, what? You don't need to practice. I think it might've been just after he won like his first masters or won a tournament or something. And Tiger Woods is like, man, if I was naturally as gifted as you, I wouldn't have to practice, but like, I'm not as good as you are. So I have to practice. Yeah. And John Daly just looks at him and laughs mm-hmm. and then went and drank. Oh, <laughs> what, when so, you're ta- yeah, you're like, holy fuck. When you're talking about like bad boys of sports, like, yeah, that's what John Daly is. He's the bad boy of golf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if Doc Ellis, so, like just, I wonder if he just approached the game, like completely level headed, completely sober and would just have like, taking the game over. Yeah. And so, but that's one thing that he was kind of talking about, right? Like the, the drugs kind of just kind of put him in his element, put him in his zone. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe he wouldn't have been the, the pitcher he was, but obviously we'll never yeah, know. Well, he did. Yeah. He did say that too, that like the higher level that he would go up in his baseball career, the more drugs would be around. Yeah. So he was like, Oh, to get here, we got to do this. So it's kind of like the tour de France shit. Right. Where you're like, Oh man, you can't single one guy out. Cause everyone's fucking on some shit. So that's just the way that you got to play this game. Well, and I love the one part where he talks about like how he decided how much drugs he took. Like, well, if one mm-hmm. didn't uh, didn't do it, he'd take two. If two didn't do it, mm-hmm. and he'd just kind of throw them all up in the air, and whatever ones landed on their side, he would take those. But if there wasn't <laughs> enough landed on the side, he would take the ones that were laying down flat. Like imagine <laughs> half the team did that, and then you'd just be like, "Well, half our team just OD'd, so yeah. we can't play the game because these guys just all died." Also, when Doc Ellis was playing, so like the late '60s, how long had baseball been integrated? Because it was integrated in like the 50s, late 40s uh, yeah late 40s early 50s so jackie robinson so maybe like 15 years um yeah which like how nuts is that jackie robinson played his first game for the brooklyn dodgers uh in 1947 holy shit man yeah so for doc Ellis to have that attitude in a sport where they're like man we kind of just let you guys play like not that long ago it's pretty awesome. Well, so there would have had to have been like old white baseball dudes that fucking hated him. Well, and and they they talked about that, right? Like when he was in the minor leagues, his first uh, minor league stint yeah. was in New York State, and then he got sent to North yeah. Carolina, which was like yeah. he went to Raleigh, which was the home yeah. of the KKK at that point. Like, yeah, that's crazy. That uh, you know you're a professional ball player in the minor leagues, but that yeah, you know. <laughs> Baseball is now integrated, but still um, yeah. dealing with that. Like Raleigh probably wasn't. <laughs> no. And to be fair, when um, Doc was say born, that, that was basically when it was an integrated sport. I don't know when exactly Doc was born, but uh, he pitched this game when he was like, what, 20, 23 or 4 mm-hmm. in his 70s? 
Like he was born um, so like 20 years before. Yeah. So Right, exactly. So yeah. for him, integrated baseball is implicit. It'd be like you having the internet or I guess more like someone who's like 19 right now having the internet. They just don't know any other case. So like for a black guy to play baseball, yeah, it's still a big deal and it's still on your mind because KKK mm. is etched into your door when you travel. But you're just like, it's just the way that it is. So he yeah, might have developed that attitude because he didn't have to question it in the first place. Yeah, he, he just had pushback. He was born it's kind of more of a mind fuck. I guess that like at his time, like he could reach back and like talk to Jackie Robinson. So that is kind of like us. Cause like we could like the guys that fucking essentially invented the internet, like we could interview them and we'd be like, that's fucking crazy. So people looking in the future would be like, wow, that's wild that these guys were right there. So that's pretty nuts that like Jackie or Doc Ellis could like reach out and touch Jackie Robinson to be like, that's the guy, like that guy's generation was the guy yeah. who did this. Yeah. So he, he was born two years that's before wild. Jackie Robinson entered the MLB. So yeah. Doc Ellis was born in 40, yeah. 45 and Jackie Robinson started playing in 47. Jesus. And, and before that they, wow. had, they had the Negro leagues uh, and everything, which you know, this this year or last year, the MLB has has finally taken taken the Negro Leagues stats into account as far as mm-hmm. uh, like record uh, holders so for professional baseball. So they've included. Yep. So Jackie Robinson. Is Babe not, Babe's not looking so hot now, yeah. or is he still doing okay? I think he's still doing okay. Uh, but Jackie okay. Robinson would have played cool. you know X number of years in the Negro Leagues before he came to the MLB. Mm-hmm those stats are now considered part of his um, professional Overall baseball career. Stats. Yeah. Cool. Instead of just being considered cool. a minor league or like a, a nothing league. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact that uh, they, <laughs> they had to, uh, you know, the Latin players and the, the black players had to, uh, Stay in separate hotels than the than the uh, the white players was was crazy. Yeah, that uh, the note that Doc Ellis read. Yeah, that is like like that note should be in the Hall of Fame or in a museum somewhere because like that. So Cooperstown is the Hall of Fame, so it should be in Cooperstown for sure. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Why? It oh, because the, like. The way that Doc Ellis approached baseball, that people were like, nah, man. Like, not the whole drug thing aside, just like his attitude. And then to have Jackie Robinson, the first black player, to be like, no, dude, keep doing what you're doing. And people will look back and realize that, like, we were right. Or, like, you were right. Like, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Did Doc Ellis have kids? Uh, he. Oh, yes, he did. Yeah, like two. Two at least. Little docs. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess I just wonder like um your grandparents' war memorabilia that you may have. Um mm-hmm. does like should it go into a museum? Yeah, of course. But like is there an actual onus that it should oh. or an obligation? Absolutely not. I, I think, yeah, no, no, no. I think okay, this yeah. is a if the family owns it, then yeah. 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 I'm saying that like if it is either like just sitting somewhere in a room that like no one's ever going to see or in a museum. They're like, Oh, put it in the museum. But if the family has like 
Like if that was in a frame or something, like how fucking cool would that be? And, and I think, like, yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I'm not like, denying. Oh, that's it. A, I'm just uh... that's a handwritten note from Jackie Robinson to my like grandpa about keep doing what you're doing in baseball. And they're like, wow, that's that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, and I think it's just like pretty much anything attached. Like the MLB has Jackie Robinson Day, which just passed uh, last week. Every mm-hmm. every year, where wow, that's so cool. Yeah, all yeah, the, every white player does blackface. It's pretty cool. All the <laughs> <laughs> all the players in the league wear forty two, and no, like most teams have names on the jerseys. On Jackie Robinson Day, no teams have names on the jerseys. Um, just number forty two on the back. That that was Jackie Robinson's number. Is that day? Wow, is that's it really, really cool. Con- is that confusing on the radio when they're like forty two hits it to forty two and then throws it back to forty two? I so I mean, who hits a home run? They're all watching TV broadcast so and and commentating okay. now, so they can they can always say they don't go by the numbers. Okay, <laughs> thanks. That's where the real baseball commentators shine. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um. Cool. Yeah. So, and I, I think anything kind of related to Jackie Robinson is like is special enough to be to be in the the Hall of Fame. So, like a mm-hmm. a handwritten letter from Jackie Robinson to um, Doc Ellis, being like, "Dude, the way uh, the way you're playing is uh, is great. Yeah. Don't let uh, people." And I mean, obviously, there was you know other black players before Doc Ellis. Um, mm. but, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, especially Doc Ellis. Like, I mean, if he was just a, a nobody pitcher that, you know, was never, you know, really like considered a, a good player or, or a great player, um, then I, I don't think it has as significance, but a player like Doc Ellis, uh, to get a letter from Jackie Robinson, I think that has some, um, historical significance in, in baseball. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting what constitutes making history versus just being history. Right. So would you consider this? Yeah, because like a letter from. Hmm? I was going to say, would you like, are you talking about the no hitter or the letter from Jackie Robinson? Uh, the, The letter. So if Robinson had have written a letter just to some minor league player who was doing the same behavioral things as Ellis, um, but didn't get the kind of media that Ellis got and didn't disrupt the game and the social life outside of the game and in it. Uh, does it mean as much because like it didn't change anything. It was too small. Right. Um, is that like, is that still kind of like, yes, it's obviously history, like it's temporal, but does it deserve to go into the hall of fame? Like, no. does it mean the same thing? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it was because of, I would Doc, agree. Yeah, yeah. Because of Doc Ellis's status within the game. Um, yeah. That gives it some historical significance rather than like, and, and I'm sure, you know, Jackie Robinson wrote to a lot of black players. Um, I mean, I, I, he was that's what I'm thinking. He was the first one, right? Like in in it'd be funny if he wrote to white players just like talking shit. Like, man, I saw you <laughs> last last Thursday. So you you can't throw shit. A little bit of a Jackie Robinson uh, trivia. He played baseball in Montreal, not for the Expos, yeah. but before he joined uh the uh the MLB, played some minor league yeah, baseball. Yeah, the minors, right? Yeah, minor league baseball in Montreal. 
That's cool. What was that team called? That's really cool. I think it was the Montreal Royals. Oh, I believe cool. so. And then they became Kansas City? Uh, or that was just a Kansas City? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if there's an actual connection to the organizations, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, so totally changing the subject here. Um, the actual structure, not the structure, I guess, but like the production of the documentary uh, was super cool. There was a lot of yeah. really cool visual effects that kind of like a game of keep up. It just yeah. it like keeps your interest. But on top of that, the music, guess who did the fucking music for this thing? That I don't know. Adam Horowitz from Beastie Boys. Oh, really? Oh. Nice. Ad-Rock. Yeah. Cool. I don't know how many soundtracks he's done for movies or docs, but he Ain't did this one. Something. That's yeah. cool. Pretty fucking kick-ass. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I only just learned that this morning. I noted to myself as I was watching it that the, the soundtrack was... Uh, it was, it was kind of loud, but it fit. Like, it was almost distracting. Um but it it was great. I really enjoyed it. It uh, it meshed really well. Like it became the environment. It was yeah. good. So the animation was. I really liked the animation. Like the After Effects, like how that was done. It was so, really cool. Yeah, like the manipulation of like still frames. Yeah, because there's not really any other way to tell that story visually. But it would be cool because it would either just be like Doc Ellis sitting there being like, and then it looked like a beach ball, or like. Maybe if they integrated the footage from the game, like where he's diving and then it actually shows him diving. But when they animate him diving, like that works so much better because it, it just yeah. breaks it up to like the humor of it. And they just be like, oh, yeah, this is what this guy was probably seeing. Like the colors were like this. Like so, that's wild. Christian, to answer your question, I don't know if it's um, if it includes just like regular Beastie Boys songs that are in a uh, soundtrack, but Adam Horvitz on IMDb has 119 credits to his name for soundtracks. Whoa. Sorry, did I say 119? All right. 109. Yeah. 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 Well, that's more like it. Oh, nine. Still. (laughs) That seems more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. 19. I mean, that's like a lifetime. 109. Yeah. Shit. That's so cool. That's cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, I wouldn't have known that. That's, that's a cool little fact. That's that's what I'm I uh, I was surprised at the the lack of footage of Ellis. Like the footage that he did this uh, like talking head interview from, I think was the same day that he was giving the speech at that uh like youth uh detention center. Yeah, cuz mm-hmm. he was cuz he was wearing the same shirt. Yeah, obviously mm-hmm. he was passed away, you know, by you know, 5 6 years uh, when this came out, so Mhm. Yeah. Also, they're uh, depending on their budget. Like I know, Tyler and I have tried to look up licensing for Major League Baseball footage, and you basically need a dump truck full of twenty dollar bills for them to be like, "Yeah, you can have thirty seconds." So I could see how this documentary was just like, "We want the footage, but we can't. No goddamn way we can afford it." Yeah, and I feel like this one had a fairly high budget, it seemed, but uh... like there was a bit, but yeah. That wasn't really a lot. Um, let's see. It doesn't say the budget. Had you guys seen this doc before yeah. uh, we pulled it? I yeah. have. I have not. No. Yeah, I forget. Same. Where I, 
saw it. I don't know where. I think I just saw a trailer for it online or something years ago. And I, it's it's one of the docs where it's like, uh, oh my god, that Johnny Knoxville documentary, The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. Like the no no is like, hey man, have you ever heard of this documentary? Like this guy, mm-hmm. and then tell people about it. They're like, whoa. Or if I know someone's into baseball, I'm like, hey, do you know this story? Yeah, we've talked about it so much. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a doc that like, I know neither of us are into baseball. So for us to talk about baseball is kind of funny. But it's like, oh, man, there was this baseball story. Like, listen how crazy this is. Like, yeah, that's pretty nuts. Yeah. As a person, Doc Ellis reminded me a lot of uh, 6'2 Rodriguez, the guy from Searching for Sugar Man. Mm -hmm. Just that like his uh opposition to the status quo and his clear-cut way of seeing the world around him he just uh, he cut through all the shit and he mm-hmm. said what he said in such a good way that it just hits home mm-hmm. and so it's kind of scary though that like people are championed like that like it, like why isn't everyone like that Oh, I mean, because, like, I'm not a very good speaker, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, Same. Okay, I'll be with you on that one. And I didn't know the story. Like, obviously, I knew that he had thrown the uh, no-hitter on, on drugs. And I, I didn't know about the story of him, you know, getting clean and becoming uh, um, this counselor. So, you know, <laughs> when I'm reading or watching the documentary, and then, you know, they have a second wife. And his second wife says, you know, he you got hammered and he threatened me with guns and a shotgun. And I, I was scared for my life and I left that day and I never came back. I was like, Oh, he was kind of an asshole. And then it goes into this, it kind of drops the, the bomb on you, like this second part where he realizes, Hey, you know, this isn't what I want to be like. I am an addict. I need to clean my act up. And he goes and becomes this like super um, inspirational uh, guy who, you know, dedicates his life to helping people uh, and getting drugs out of, uh, out of major league baseball. Uh, You know, I think that's a fantastic um, layer to a story that I didn't know before. I just, you know, knew him as the, the baseball uh, pitcher that, uh, that was high when he threw a no hitter. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a cool, that's a cool, I I think that's the best way for, the best way for the story to end, because it could have been like, oh, yeah, he pulled a shotgun on me and then he blew his second wife's head off and now he's in jail for the rest of his life. Right. You're like, holy fuck. And, and, you know, and I don't think, obviously, the documentary would have been made if, if that was the case. Um, I don't know. They made a few docs on OJ and right. he definitely <laughs> killed some people. And his story's interesting. <laughs> so they could have, yeah. that would have been an awesome doc. Like, hey, in the 60s, this guy threw a no hitter. And just, then, like, 10 years later, he went crazy and. Yeah, I, I just think that, uh, you know, because of the way his life uh, was when it when it ended and, you know, yeah. he turned out, I think that was the main story behind the documentary mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just the fact that, you know, he has this other kind of crazy story through his career, um, mm-hmm. you know, helped lead up to that story. Because I think, yeah, yeah. It, yeah for it, sure. it wouldn't have been, you, you wouldn't have got the payoff if it was just like, yeah, you know, Doc Ellis, he was this bad boy at baseball. He was high when he threw his no-hitter, and then he was just a regular, everyday asshole. It, yeah, it that sounds like a football player. It, it wouldn't have the same 
the same kind of warmth and, and feeling to it as, as the doc that was made because, you know, he turned yeah. his life around. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a point in this doc where I think it was his sister uh, says that at one point when he started after uh, Roberto Clemente died or Clemente died, uh, he started to abuse his, his vices more and more. But he thought that he was taking over drugs, but drugs were taking him right. over. Right. And I had never quite thought about drugs like that before because I've definitely met a lot of people who abuse and it's it's cocky like all the time it's cocky when people really use drugs it's always with this headiness and i had never considered that there's that duality in it that you look at drugs that way but drugs look at you in their own way and it's not like drugs but like, like cigarettes and alcohol and weed and shrooms and lsd and cocaine and heroin and meth and all my favorites that they have there's a feedback and it just, I, it never quite hit me, but she put it really fucking succinctly. And I think that Doc was, he was like the perfect embodiment of that because he was really smart. He had balls. He was really good at what he did for his job. And he fucking, he could party too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was a good point. Um, Kind of my favorite line in the documentary is when he's gone to um, treatment and he said, you know what? I, I did my six months that the insurance was paying for, but I felt <laughs> like I had five bullets in a six chamber gun and I wasn't ready to leave. I needed that, that six bullet um, to be able to, to finish it and, and do it outright. And I think that's kind of a, a mindset that, you know, not a lot of people think of like they think, Oh yeah. Hey, I, I did the six months they said I had to do and that's great. And you know, I'm better now. And then they fall back into, into that, uh, that mind frame. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They commodify it that I did what the packaging said, but it doesn't turn out because you didn't actually know what you were doing in the first place. But right. I, yeah, I feel like doc, he was, it somehow like crept into him and he, he really changed, For which sure. is rare. Surprisingly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Was um, there a favorite part for you, Mitch? Uh, when he uh, kind of the whole, like, I, like I said, like, this is one of my favorite documentaries. Like I could watch this over and over again of just the pace of everything and just like his overall attitude to baseball and like just the whole story and the animation and everything. So there's not really one, I guess when he gets into telling the story of like the ball looking like a beach ball, and then looking really small and then like, how the fuck could this guy stay in focus? Like, how was he not just like, all right, time out. Like I gotta, I can't be here right now. And he was just like, Nope, I gotta do this. And then like, not to really tell people around him that like, yo man, I'm high as shit. Cause he was like, no, I can't like, I don't want to get in trouble. And like, I know everyone else is high. So like, it just seems like, it honestly seems like they're just a bunch of kids trying to like outwit each other, but they're all so fucked up, but they're grown men being like, Oh no, I can't know. And like, he can't know how fucked up I am. So like, I'm just going to try and <laughs> just stay quiet and do my job. Yeah. So yeah, it was like, Oh, that's funny. And that like, yeah, there were just a lot of things about this that are awesome. And like, I didn't know that drugs were that prevalent in major league baseball at that time. Like everyone was doing everything, but then it makes sense. Cause like looking at the culture, you know, like, Oh Yeah everyone was doing everything. So obviously it's going to seep into those sports. 
Yeah, like that was just that was the time to yeah, be doing like those literally guys, all of the drugs. Yeah, like those guys are perceived cool and they have money and then they're going to be around people like musicians or just people that want to be cool to be like, hey, man, have you tried this new thing? Try this. And they're like, oh, shit. This is awesome. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah, it's it's such a good doc. It is kind of hard to pick out spots, but. Yeah, that uh, that drug point, like drugs were taking him over. That just it stood out to me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I like how it didn't just focus on um, the no hitter. Uh, obviously, the doc's called uh, no no, um, but the fact like it, it kind of just gives like a, a brief history of his career as well. His feud with uh, Reggie Jackson, I thought was was fantastic. Um, was Reggie Jackson the dude who hit the bird? No, that's uh, Randy Jackson. Not Randy Jackson. Oh, sorry. Uh, Randy Johnson. Yeah, Reggie Jackson okay. uh, was a guy showed in like when it was animated. He had like the aviator sunglasses on, and he hit mm-hmm. him in the face with the, <laughs> with the oh, baseball. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that and uh, you know the the game against the Reds where he he hit eight batters. I think like that, like, <laughs> you, you'd be, susp- yeah. you'd see, be suspended the whole season if, uh, if you did that now, like that's just the really, way, like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like so, how many, how many would you have to hit for to get suspended? Like if you did three, would they be like, Hey uh, man, two probably. Really? So oh. if, if you hit someone and well, it, I guess it depends. I think there's been games where three batters have been hit this season. No one's been suspended, but um, but there's you know, no way in hell it would be anywhere near seven. No, no, no. no if it's perceived Jeez, to be on purpose, um, yeah. both uh, dugouts get a warning. And then if, mm-hmm. if another person gets hit, then that person gets tossed from the game. Um, Dude, so, yeah. Alms in the 60s didn't have to do shit. That's yeah. awesome. They yeah. just let them play and beat the living crap out of each other. Oh, yeah. Like for him to, to hit, like it was like, and great players like Pete Rose. Um, oh man, how did Pete? How did Pete Rose not rush the field? Like that guy was crazy. Yeah. Um, rushed the pitcher, and he tried to hit that. You know, Johnny Bench uh, and couldn't hit him, and uh, another player couldn't hit because they all knew that okay, he's gonna hit us. Um, yeah. So let's just get out of the way. Um, but yeah, it, that's uh, that's a crazy story. And then the Reggie Jackson feud is is crazy too hit the home run off him in the all-star game <laughs> and then, uh, uh, yeah. And then hit him right in the face. That's old school baseball for you, man. Oh, man. Man. So I'm looking at the 1970 Pittsburgh pirate roster mm-hmm. and like some of these guys, they like, they had to have been like professional baseball players from when they were born. One guy's name is Mudcat Grant, like Mud Mudcat. Um, yeah, old school baseball names are the best. Yeah. <laughs> John Lamb, Bob, yeah. Alondo Penne. Oh, so, man, yeah, these are great. Like, even Roberto Clemente is, like, yeah. a fantastic Milt, name. Milt May. And on the roster, he's other positions. So what would that be? Just May, who's We a, just throw him in when we're... Yeah, designated hitter. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to look at the... There was uh, an, 
There was another list that I was looking at, and some of the guys had like the like I was like, are these nicknames? Are these actual their names? And they're like, oh, I think it's actually their names. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably a nickname. <laughs> That's fucking like, awesome. Oh well, Mudcat Grant was actually Mudcat Grant. Yeah, Mud. So when he was little, like <laughs> imagine you're ten years old, and like I'm going over to my friend Mudcat's house, like, oh, what's his name? M- Mudcat. That's his name. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? That's why Be careful. America's, that's why America's great, Christian, because they got the greatest names. They produce great athletes. Okay, that play so, a sport where you no, Mud, stand around for eight hours. Mudcat was a nickname. Um, it was. Name, yeah, his name was James Timothy Mudcat Grant. Oh well, it kind of so, sounds oh, like he's Jesus. A, so his name was James Timothy like Grant, but uh, sounds like he's a serial killer. He played for the Montreal Expos as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Shit. Him and Petey. Petey? Yeah, Pete Rose. He played for the Expos for a little bit. Did he? I feel like I should know this. It was like at the end of his... That's the Expos jersey that I have. Hmm. I watched the documentary and was like, this guy's crazy. I'm into him. Oh yes, another great in, in baseball 1984, he played for the Expos. Yep, he did. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, Doc Ellis in No No, a documentary. Mm-hmm. Oh, real quick, Christian sent me a YouTube link for the Doc Ellis band. Oh, they are. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it's quite the music. Yeah. He, Doc Ellis himself, I don't think went on to produce the music, but yeah, the one song that Christian sent me was like, what was it? Crack or like crystal meth? meth. Yeah, and how much the guy likes crystal meth. So it's a cool song. Yeah, that is a real shame <laughs> knowing now because like I was just like, ah, Doc Ellis is just a, a classic product of the hippie generation and he was good at bas- baseball and. <laughs> Fuck it. He was just like a champion of the drug culture, but he was a champion of like humans and like especially black culture, like that they're actual humans too. But yeah, I kind of that like the music was funny when I found it, but now I'm just like, fuck you. That's kind of slander because Doc Ellis is way cooler than that. Yeah. I think you come up with the name of the band and then watch the documentary and be like, well, man, I don't think we should sing about drugs because like this guy wasn't into it. So like, let's think. Yeah. <laughs> like the Charlie Manson band. That's way spookier. No, you don't think that would work? Yeah. <laughs> no, I wonder what they would do on their side projects. I'll just have a little group hang out. Just do home invasions here and there. Nothing big. Yeah. Man, you got to shut that fucking cat out. So, I know, know. I'm sorry, guys. You know what this no, reminds me? Have you seen the video like that, yell you. that's gone viral uh, this past week? Yeah, the got, Bobcat. <laughs> Christian, have you seen the Bobcat video? No. So, this guy's walking out to his car and he's like, he sees it, it seems like, like a very like white picket fence, like uh, American neighborhood. Guy's walking out to his car carrying like a tray of brownies. He sees his neighbor running and she's like, oh, hi. And, and, and the neighbor running waves to him. And he's uh, 
puts the brownies on the hood of his car, grabs his keys, and he's like, oh, I need to wash my car. And then his wife starts walking between the two cars, and she's like, ah, or you hear like a, like a, and she's like, ah, and she starts screaming, and he runs over, and he picks up this, apparently it's a bobcat, um, he picks up this bobcat, you, you see him come out from behind the, the vehicle, and he has his hands over his head, the, uh, he's holding the bobcat, and he's like, it's a fucking bobcat, and he just, he throws, <laughs> he throws it like 15 feet across from, across his yard, yeah. and it kind of like, kind of lands, kind of gathers itself and starts running away. And he pulls out a gun from his, uh, his holster or, or his waistband. Yeah. And like, he's like a middle aged Carolina. Yeah. He's like I a middle aged, like white guy, but he pulls his hand. Yeah. And he's like, I'll fucking shoot it. I'll fucking shoot it. And then he, at the end of the video, it's a Bobcat. He just attacked my wife. <laughs> I mean, that thing had rabies, oh, wow. so the fact that, like, he grabbed that thing and it didn't bite him or anyone got bit is so crazy. Oh, it, it did have rabies? Yeah. Yeah? All right. See, I haven't heard yeah. the story of it. I just watched yeah, the video. Yeah, I think Haley, Haley read some article about it. Yeah. And was saying, like, yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, my God, when that guy picked that thing up, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, he After up- reading that book about rabies, man, I'm so freaked out. Like, if I see anything with rabies, I'm fucking running that shit over. He picked it up and launched that cat 15 feet at least. Yeah. It's like the surveillance Holy video shit. of the raccoon attacking the guy's dog. And then the guy picks up the raccoon and throws it down the stairs and it like spins like its <laughs> legs or its legs and feet are like. And then it I've spins down. Yeah. Like 20. Have you seen that, Tyler? No. It's a good. It, it yeah. now. And then like, dude, this this fucking raccoon like from like 20 stairs or so like spins and then lands on his feet and then just runs away. Nice. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, because people were pissed that, like, ah, something like he killed the raccoon. They're like, well, first of all, it was attacking his dog. And like, second, it's just a raccoon. And then third, yeah, it just ran away. So it's fine. Fucking yeah, it's raccoons, wild. eh? Fuck. It's pretty awesome that we went from baseball on <laughs> LSD to animal videos. Well, you know, With rabies. We're, you know what we're going to go to next? Pirates, <gasps> real real pirate stories. Real, uh, no, because no. the team that he played for. Okay, sorry. I, I I've picked our, our next documentary, so cool. Oh, so what you got? Um, has to do with Russia. <gasps> do you know what it is? Um, the Operation Odessa. No, no. It's, is it uh, it's Werner not, Herzog's Grizzly Man? No, no. Life in the Taiga? No, that's yeah, in Russia. You, you guys are all thinking too serious. Well, I mean, a pro Putin, pro Putin documentary about no. how awesome he is, no. and all the cool things that he's done for the world. Still too serious. Fuck. That could be lighthearted. He's done some cool, lighthearted things. So I don't, I don't know. Is that backwards for you? Oh, guys? oh shit. shit, dude! This documentary is hilarious. There is a scene in it. Where they're breaking down a scene where Raymond's wife is yelling at Raymond, and the Russian executives cannot get it through their head that, like, well, why doesn't Raymond just beat his wife? Like, that we, in this situation, we would just hit her, and that, like, we could make that funny. And they're like, uh, no, man, like, Raymond is kind of like timid towards, like, he's not confrontational towards his wife, and he's kind of scared of her. And the Russians are just like, why would a guy 
Why would a guy like guys aren't like that? Like that's not a thing that guys do. So if uh, wait, so so Tyler chose exporting Raymond. Yeah. So for for people who are listening and we're trying to uh, piece together what Mitch was saying and try and figure out which uh, documentary. So yeah, it's called. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that we didn't say the name. It's Sorry. Exporting Raymond. Uh, Just take this part and put it in front of what I said. It'll all make sense. So it's uh, a 2010 documentary uh, on Phil Rosenthal's experiences during the making of Veron Veronini, the Russian language version of Everybody Loves Raymond. So, yeah. Who is the guy who made this? Phil Rosenthal. Um, is isn't that the 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 tall guy from Raymond? No. 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 Who is Phil Rosenthal? Probably one of the producers. He's an American television writer. Yes, so he probably wrote it. Yeah, so he's basically... And then they would have just paid him to go over there. Yeah, so it, it was basically his um, doing um, to, to put this into to Russian, right? For the Russian uh, broadcast. Okay. Um. So yeah, so he, he was a part of the Everybody Loves Raymond team in America. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so he, he was yeah. probably a okay. writer or showrunner or something like that. Um, let me look at his other credits. Yeah, he um, was the cr- creator of the hit TV series Everyone's Loves Everyone Loves Raymond. Yeah, and uh, fuck, this is gonna be weird. Oh, it's awesome, man. They're in the one of the studios that they're in, and it starts raining and water's just rushing down one of the walls. And the Russians are just like, Yeah, that's something that we deal with here. And they're what like, the fuck? Oh. and it's like the one of the best like television studios in Russia. So they're like, Oh, okay. Well, it's got walls. Yeah. We got cameras here, bro. So shut up. He, but yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is a hilarious documentary. It's so funny. He also played TV dad in the Simpsons movie. Oh, yeah, that was the key role. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's he's produced stuff like Coach, if you remember the 80s or early, not or I guess not 80s. I thought it was uh, 90s. Christian was not even a thought then, I so I don't know if he's going to know that show. 90s sitcom Coach. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, I was right. Yes. Yeah. And then he does a show now, uh, or back in 2018, called Somebody Feed Phil. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. What the hell's that? And it's kind of like an Anthony. It's just Bourdain, a food show. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain type show where he travels around trying different foods. Oh, trying to take the Bourdain spot since he's no longer making TV. Well, I see. I think. Hmm. I don't know when hmm. Anthony passed away, but. Um, oh man, so this is totally kind of off topic, but uh, I was watching, it's non-fiction, it's kind of a doc series, but uh, Ugly Delicious with uh, David Chang, I think his name is. Um, it's honestly really, really good. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of food shows and I don't really like docu-series, so this is a strange one for me to endorse, but it's it's like a critique of certain uh, genres of food like tacos and pizza and fried chicken. Uh, they just break it down into like its most basic points, its origins, and then its progressions, like where it exists now. It's a pretty good show. Cool. That's awesome. I have heard uh, a lot of good things about it. So, yeah. Yeah, I recommend it. Two I've been watching the Last Chance You 
the uh, the new season. It's on basketball, which this season is hilarious because they're at a community college in East LA, and there's kids on this team <clears throat> that went to Division One schools that, within a couple of years, very easily could be in the NBA, and they are playing against the whitest kids that are like five four, and I feel so bad for those kids because like they're just get, they're getting put out on the court with men and just getting ran through and the one guy kept get, keeps getting fouled and he gets put on the bench and he's like man this is bullshit i'm getting like i'm portrayed as a bully but i can't help it because all these guys are so fucking little <laughs> and like it's so funny you're like oh yeah those poor guys and like this team just lights them up so you're like oh god damn these kids are just going to community college and they have to go against this so, so two two things that our listeners should check out uh, both on on Netflix is uh, this is a robbery and uh, um, why did you kill me? Very good. So okay. this is a robbery is about okay. uh, the Isabella Stewart Gardner uh, Art Museum in in Boston that was robbed in 1990. So two hundred million dollars worth of uh, artwork and uh, stuff was taken. And Holy uh, shit. and never recovered. So and they Whoa. think they think they know who did it, but it's like a bunch of like old like wise guys, and like one of them keeps saying, "Oh yeah, I saw this person with it and this person with it," and half of them are, have been murdered uh, or died of natural causes, and the other yeah. half are just not talking. So damn, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy story. Then that's what that'd be crazy if that's just in. Like it's in a Boston basement somewhere. Like yeah, well, it never. That's what that's what we left. said. You know, it's it's in an attic somewhere in Boston. But some someone involved, you know, put it there and then got killed, and it's just sitting up in someone's attic. If I lived in Boston, Jeez. I'd be going up in my attic and checking. Yeah, because <laughs> oh no, there's just a bunch of bodies. Nothing here. God there, damn it. Yeah, there's a ten million dollar reward for the return. It's like uh. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Rembrandt's only seascape, uh, Christ in the Sea of oh. uh, Galilee. Is, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a holy good one. shit, it's yeah. a good one. He used a lot of blue in that. That's true. <laughs> I'm assuming because it's the sea. I don't fucking know what it looks like. Yeah, and then there's. All right, I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, man, come on. Okay. <laughs> Why you like your personal friends with Rembrandt or something? <laughs> I know his. I know his work. No. <laughs> Awesome. Well, so I guess we'll be uh, back next week with uh, Everybody Loves Raymond in Russian. We'll learn how to say it in Russian. I think it's uh, Veronini. You're probably right. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, guys. And I will talk to you next week.